views and opinions on this show do not necessarily reflect the views of ESPN Tucson 1490 and 104.9 FM or the Arizona Lotus Corporation. Got car trouble? Now's the time to talk with Jerry on the Simmons Car Care Shop Talk Show. Call in now at 719-1490. Well, if you're one of the millions who own one of them gas-drinking, piston clanking, air-polluting, smoke-belching, four-wheeled buggies from Detroit City, then pay attention. I'm about to sing your song, son. Good morning, Southern Arizona and the rest of you out there in cyberspace. Welcome to the first show of 2023. Holy cow. That that puts me at around 34 years of doing this show every Saturday morning live. And it is amazing. I cannot believe I've lived that long, actually. (laughs) But welcome to the Simmons Car Care Shop Talk Show. I'm Jerry Simmons, your host. We're live on ESPNTucson.com, 1490 AM. The call sign down here, if you'd like to join us this morning, please do with any questions you have on automotive, is 719-1490. Now, my co-host is Mr. Jim Mooney from Frontier Towing for all of your towing needs. Good morning, Jim. Good morning, Jerry. Good morning, everybody out there. Happy uh, 34 years, Jerry. That's amazing. That's like that's like 1,700 shows, Jerry. That's a lot of shows. Yeah. But uh, anyway, I learn, I'm on the I learn race. something every time. Huh? You learn something every time we're what? on? I learn something every time we're on, especially when the people call in with the with the questions. You know, when you've been hanging around the automotive industry for forty seven years, going on forty eight, uh, it's you. I mean, the old questions and new questions, the problems that people are having, and all of this. This is good information to share. This is good information to put out to the public. You may think it's well it's it's that's that's basic. You know, that's the reason we need you know, we need the public's input. Makes the show go better. Me and you, I love talking to you. We can talk two hours any day of the week. And right. I, I just you know five twenty, seven one nine, fourteen ninety for anything. New Year's resolution, we don't care. And also, uh we're gonna get some information about uh class coming up. Uh, shortly, in fact, January the 14th, Pima College is putting on a class on electric vehicles. It's downtown campus. It's on the 14th, which is next Saturday. It starts at 8 o'clock in the morning till 12. I'm going to have a problem making that one because of uh, <clears throat> I don't get off to 8 o'clock, and it's about a 30-minute drive down. <laughs> However, 
We will manage to get it, and we'll be bringing this up because this is information. If you if you're you've got questions on electric cars or want to know what's going on with electric cars, attend this class. You know, I just heard about it just a few minutes ago when I first dialed in to get on the show, and uh, we'll we'll bring that gentleman back up so that he can explain this thing anytime he wants to. In fact, if he wants to jump in now, uh, he's more than welcome. So, Mister Pima College class and i understand he's going to be one of the persons who's actually presenting the program all right who we got i think it was my call screener or my producer one or the other had the information hello hey jerry what was it well, he'll get to it. huh who has the flyer on the Pima College uh, class? Oh, it's Tip. He'll we'll put him on for you. Hey, Jerry. All right, good. You there? Hey. Yeah. All right. Let, tell the public about what's going on with this class on January hey, Jerry. 14th. It's going to happen Dates, at, uh, from 830 to uh, 1230 on the 14th. Yep. And uh, basically, it's going to be headed off by the dean, Greg Wilson. All right. And what's, what's going to be covered in it? Do you have it on your flyer? Absolutely, sir. Um, so what's going to be covered is uh, they're going to have um, uh, batteries covered. We're going to cover charging. We're going to cover the history of electric vehicles. And they're going to have um, also uh, a, a, a basic rundown on a vehicle you might want to choose. So it's going to be taught. Oh, by, good. Yes, we're going to go thoroughly into electric cars. There's also conversions. If, say, you want to take a VW or you want to take a truck and you want to convert it to electric, we're going to have people and specialists there to help you convert your vehicle to electric. Well, that's good. That's good. The good, the bad, the ugly of electric, huh? Absolutely, sir. It's, it's, a, it's a motion in, in, in work right now, and it's going, to, it's going to cover the globe here eventually, so... All right, what kind of charges? What what's the cost? Uh the cost of charge it depends like service stations. They uh, are uh, No, 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 no. The cost of the course. The, oh, 40, the cost of the course. $49 I believe is the cost of the course. Uh it'd be well worth it. It'd be well worth it. All right, perfect. So that is on that's Pima Downtown Campus. And it's January the 14th, which is next Saturday from 8 o'clock to 12.30. The cost is 49 bucks for the course for, for the, uh, what is it, four and a half hours? Yes. So uh, that is going to be absolutely, absolutely perfect. And it's to downtown at the new automotive uh, center. Yes, sir. At FEMA College downtown. Beautiful, it's beautiful vast. class. And uh, looking forward to it. We're going to so have thank you very much. Yes, sir. Go, uh, four instructors? We're going to okay. have four instructors, one on each different subject. We're going to try and cover everything and all the questions uh, anybody might have oh, on electric vehicles. Well, that's good because there sure is a lot of garbage out there on the on uh, social media. There's good stuff. There's bad stuff. There's stuff that's unbelievable. There's stuff that's believable. And it'd be nice just to be able to sit down for four and a half hours and listen to different instructors tell us about the good, the bad, the ugly. So once again, Pima class down on electric vehicles, electric cars, 
January the 14th, downtown campus at the auto shop. And that auto shop is a beautiful place. If you haven't been down, it's worth 49 bucks just to go down there and sit in that place. So, perfect. Next Saturday, 8 to 1230. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you. All right, so now you have it. So, Jim, got something for you to do next weekend. Something for me to do. (laughs) I got to hot foot it down there. Huh? I'll have to hot foot it down there. I'll have to... I'll have to go sit in the parking lot and do the show from the parking lot, and then I'll be available to get there right on time. You're cheating. You're cheating. I can't do that. <laughs> All right. Well, that's but, a, that's hey. the ability of being mobile. Yeah. You know, maybe I'll just do it mobile, too. Maybe I'll just take my little Honda Odyssey and drive down and take my uh, container of coffee and we'll just sit there and party in the parking lot just for the class, huh? <laughs> we can do that. <laughs> Easy enough to do. All right, buddy. Hey, you didn't mention the Super Safe Saturday. What are you getting off of that kick, or do you know something I don't know? Oh no! Have I you made a got, New Year's got... resolution? We won't <laughs> tell Jerry what Super Safe Saturday is coming up. <laughs> no, no, no! I just, we got hung up on Jerry's. 35 years of, of radio, and that's incredibly impressive. I don't think people understand how really impressive a, a third, well, 35 years for every Saturday. Like, give or take, there's probably been a couple you missed, but not very many, I would imagine. But that's uh, doing, doing, getting up and doing this for 35 years in a row or 34 years in a row is is a quite a feat, and if you don't think it is, folks, trust me, I haven't done it that long. And, every, and when it comes to Saturday, like, oh, Saturday, I got to get up. This morning, I was having a rough time just getting up. To get up. I was like, oh man! So uh, it, don't, I it don't get any easier, but it's fun. It don't get any easier. It's fun. It's fun. You're right. But anyways, you're right, Jerry. It, I'm on the radio, so that still makes it a super safe Saturday. It should be a super safe Saturday, whether I'm on the radio or not. But since I'm here, I well, I profess my super safe Saturday because, well, I want everybody to be safe on Saturday and every day for that matter. Any day that ends in a Y, you should be safe. So <laughs> slow down, move over, don't drink and drive, don't text and drive. If you're working on your car, jack stands. Car, wheel chocks, hood props, disconnect your batteries, um, and be careful when you're when you're working on a car. But yeah, it's super safe Saturday. Yeah, don't get in a hurry. Don't get in a hurry and try to shortcut it. You know, just remember, you can't build a house unless you have a plan. You can't work on a car unless you have a plan. I don't care if you're doing a brakes or an oil change. You have to have a plan before you start. See it through, then go do it. It's just like building a house. If you don't have the lumber, you can't build that house. If you can't get the brake pads or the brake shoes for the job you're working on, you're going to have a problem doing that job. So make sure you call Merrill's, get your equipment, make sure everything is available before you do it. And we'll get into the brakes a little bit. I got a little little thing that popped up during the week that I can discuss on brakes. But uh, Super Safe Saturday. And oh, I, I I'm dying to ask you what happened over the holidays. You got two, you got a Christmas, and you got a New Year's. What what kind of mess did we have going on out there on the road that I don't know about? 
well, it wasn't too bad. It wasn't too bad. The stuff people were trying to behave themselves. Not too bad. There, I think there were nine hundred DUI stops and and thirty five arrests. So that's a that's a pretty that's lower amount. That's pretty impressive. Um, for for, for thirty five people, that's going to be a bad day. A bad bad. It's going to be a bad. Yeah. It's going to be a bad eighteen months. Is what it's going to be here, um, depending on what you were doing. Um, but it was, it wasn't a horrible, it wasn't a horrible holiday season. Not too bad. Uh, probably worse. So back East where it was, when it was snowing 12 degrees below zero and, and 15 oh. feet of snow. Yeah. That's what I said. Oh, you know, when you have to pay the guy $2,000 to shovel your roof. Um, but, uh, not, it wasn't a horrible, it wasn't horrible fairly uneventful. Everybody got through their holiday season. Nobody, no, the the water main is still out at Speedway and Kolb, so, you know, Lowe's has probably got a ton of stock because they can't sell anything because nobody can get in there. Um, but other well, than that, it's, everything kind of moved I, pretty pretty easy. Didn't they just finish that uh, hole up this week, this past week? I, I think the road the, is back open now. No, the northbound lane is open. The southbound lane is still closed. Oh my lord! If you're going northbound on Kolb to Speedway, you can get through. But if you're going southbound on Kolb, you have to you get diverted onto Speedway and go east. So really, little little uh, yeah. So so they they're still working on that. They were working on it the other the other night when I went rolling through there. So I go by and check it okay. on my way home. Yeah, well, maybe if we've got somebody from uh, county listening or the city, whoever's doing that, listening to the show, they can call us and give us an update. Phone number here is 520-719-1490. As usual, it is an open line Saturday. And, yes, this is the longest continuous running automotive talk show in the nation and you know they told me that here a couple of years ago and I go nah because I don't I don't I don't you know whatever but uh they verified it while I was on the radio said yes you are the longest continuous running automotive shop talk show in the nation i'm going wow i don't know if that's good or bad but i'm still having fun at it uh, still trying to get everybody as much information as we possibly can to keep you safe, to help you out with uh, uh, the things that you need to do to keep the wallet from being drained like a swamp. So we'll just keep doing it. And any any suggestions that you have, whatever you'd like to hear on the uh, for us to put together, just shoot us a text uh, or. Email me at Simmons, SimmonsAutorepair.com, Jerry at SimmonsAutorepair.com, and we can, we'll put it on. You know, always looking for new material, stuff that's going around. Uh, but right now, we've, we have a lot of stuff, but I don't know if that's, that's your point of interest. Hey, we may have just one guy out there or one gal. Somebody that wants something to hear something else or what about their particular vehicle or what's coming down the track. I will tell you that GM, first time in a bunch of years, outsold Ford and Dodge uh, in 2000, I think it's 2022. 
but and it was mainly because of the commercial sales of the trucks and building and construction. So that was interesting to find out. Well, normally Ford been keeping top on the the list, and GM they go back and forth. Dodge is in there now, real heavy. Everybody's making pretty much the same vehicle as far as dependability. So I, I thought that was an interesting thing. Uh, it, it's got to be something about, uh, I, I don't know if it's electric vehicles, if somebody's pushing more electric vehicles than the other place, or, but we'll find out. That's one of the things that I, one of the reasons I think is Pima College class down on the 14th of January from 8 to 1230 downtown campus at the automotive center is going to be extremely extremely helpful and it'll clear up a lot of things so yeah i would i would love to go down there and do that if you know jim if you can do it by all means buddy we can bring that to the show so you know it's great in fact we could probably go down there and sit in an automotive class and do the show so (laughs) but i don't know if i get anybody there at six o'clock in the morning but (laughs) that'd be interesting Anyway, uh, where where was I at before I got sidetracked? You were talking about, other than the 35 years, you were talking about, um, you were going to start on brakes, I think. Oh, on brakes? Okay. Well, I, you know, when I talked to you last week, you asked me what the subject's going to be, and I said, whatever you want to talk about. Have you got some subject matter you would like to cover this morning? Oh, sure. We can cover some stuff. I, uh, you know, I was thinking about that, and I, um, the other day, um, my brother brought me a, a picture of a trailer that, uh, from about 1979, and it was a rental trailer. So I, I, I thought about this, um, rental, rental vehicles and, and rental equipment. So, um, this goes back to um, rental equipment is stuff that you go and need to get because you need it for a short-term usage and you're going to use it for a one-time job, right? So how many people rent mm-hmm. a specific piece of equipment? Well, probably a lot because rental guys don't just have a car, hope, one car hoping that you'll rent it and you're going to be the only guy ever to rent it. So um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I start thinking, you know, um, probably um, – I know that rental car companies are pretty diligent about, you know, inspecting vehicles and this and that, but they're probably not perfect. And um, so um, things can go wrong. And so I'll tell you the little story that that happened with this photo that my brother brought me. Um, So about 40 years ago, back in the late 70s, where we were living, uh, we were were hauling concrete in, in little concrete dump trailers. And years ago, folks, they used to they used to rent little trailers. They would you could put like a yard of concrete in them, and you could tow it behind your pickup truck to your your job site, and you jack it up. It was like a little dump bed, and you dump the concrete out, and then you could work the concrete. Right? It was a, it was a pretty inexpensive way to get small amounts of concrete, or to get concrete in tight places where you might not be able to get a big mixer truck. So, so we were renting these trailers and, and hauling concrete to our house. And uh, the trailers were small, and the it was this was in California, so and the roads were very steep, this mountainous roads. They were very steep and very narrow, and so the concrete company had this policy that they had to 
attached the trailer to your vehicle, which means they hooked it up, they secured it, they secured the lights, and they put the safety chains on. And they would actually lock the safety chains on with a padlock so you couldn't take it off. So, okay, the that's the procedure. So we, my brother, who at the time was probably 17, and he's driving his pickup truck, he's hauling these trailers, and he's hauling, and these trailers are equipped with uh, surge brakes. And surge brakes were popular in the day, not so popular anymore, but if you don't know what a surge brake is, it's a brake that uh, is hydraulically actuated. And uh, imagine you standing at the front of your trailer with your foot on the brake pedal, and when the trailer pushes forward, you push the brake pedal, and it pushes hydraulic fluid into the brakes and turns it on, right? Real simple idea. works pretty good, provided you have brake fluid. <laughs> um, which again, nobody bothers to check. <laughs> and but not so good when you're backing uphill. They're really hard when backing uphill because the car because the trailer wants to push against your truck. So that's kind of a kind of a bad thing. At any rate, <laughs> so he's he's hauling this trailer, and uh, he we get, he gets co- kind of close to our house and he applies the brakes. And because they didn't the the concrete company at the time didn't didn't attach the safety chains or didn't lock the hitch, or attach the lights or anything, because they just stuck it on there and then got distracted, right? And my brother, who was 17, didn't know about checking this stuff before he got before he left. Um, the surge brakes pushed forward, and they pushed hard, and it, and it unlocked, the, unlocked the hitch. And I don't know if you've ever seen that, but it, it does happen on older-style hitches. As you push forward, the little lever pops up, and now, now you're just relying on tongue weight to hold the, the ball hitch on the trailer ball right so he's driving up this hill and it's folks it's pretty steep i mean it's steep like driving up steeper than mount lemon okay so if you're used to driving a mount lemon the steep parts of that it's it's steeper than like going up to, right right before windy points so it's pretty good pretty good hill and there's some bumps in it you know you go up and down and conveniently for us he he drove up and and the trail the truck went down and unloaded the trailer because it was a dual axle and fairly well balanced. And the trailer comes off. Well, there's no safety chains holding it on because they didn't hook them up. And so this trailer rides down the road and comes flying down the road, down the hill, and crashes into this woman's house. And it was particularly, we kind of giggled about it because it was particularly funny because the time of, the time of year it happened was when um, Skylab was coming into Earth, back into Earth, back in the late 70s. And in California, there was a big run about how Skylab's going to crash into California and everybody's going to have Skylab parts in their house. And this woman came running out that Skylab had hit her house. <laughs> so, so she's got this, this dual-axle trailer, you know, with concrete everywhere, with the wheels spinning in the air, and she's having a heart attack with Skylab, you know, in her house. Uh, at the time, it wasn't very funny. Uh, nobody got hurt, and their, the concrete insurance company took care of the job. But it made me remember that, so if you're going to rent a trailer or, or a, a, a U-Haul truck or a, a rider truck or whatever, it probably would be good to go through the checks that Jerry and I talk about, you know, Check the oil, check the brakes, make sure everything works, check the safety chains, check the lights, all that stuff before you actually get going. Because if you're towing your own toy hauler around, if you're towing your own quad trailer around, 
eh, you probably might be pretty familiar with it. So, if, you know, if the light flickers because it's got a bad ground on the ball hitch because you haven't towed it, and then five minutes later it's working fine, well, you understand that. If the, tri- if, the tire- if the tire looks a little sketchy and you're like, well, I can make it to the tire shop. It's only a couple miles down the road. You're familiar with that. But if you're getting into a rental vehicle or, a rent- or, or renting a truck or renting a trailer, you have no idea what the history is. And that's really, really important. Since you don't have any idea what you're looking at or looking for, you've got to start at the beginning and go through the steps to make sure that everything on the thing is working right. That means check the tires. If they're old tires and they don't look too good, or if you're renting these things from Home Depot and it doesn't look good because the last guy who brought it in, you know, hit the curb and and there's a big old chunk in the tire, well, the last thing you want to do is rent the new rent the trailer and find out you got a blown out tire. Although they'll probably take care of it, well, they might not because they might say you did it one and two. Um, you're going to be stuck with the trailer with a flat tire or a vehicle with a flat tire. And whatever you were trying to get done during the day is now no longer going to get done because you're going to spend your time repairing a vehicle that should have been repaired by somebody else. So the moral of the story is if you're going to rent, take the time to walk around, do the inspection, do the survey. Even on a rental car, folks, open the hood. I know it's a 2023 or 2022 I'm here to tell you, we tow brand new cars every day because they break down. There's And there's not a lot you can do about it. Failures are going to occur, and there's nothing that we can do about that failures other than check them to make sure that we can mitigate all the failures beforehand. So if you open the car and you see that there's coolant leaking, hey, that's not the car to have. If it's the only car and you want to take a chance, at least you know where you stand. Um, but if you don't, you know, hey, folks, rental car agency, this car's got a leak or the, or the belt looks bad or the tire looks like it's bent, you know. And, and although they'll walk around you with it, most of them, most agents at a, at a rental agency don't want to spend 45 minutes looking at a car. They want to spend about 4.5 minutes looking at a car. Now, if there's a scratch there, there's a dent there, sign off, see you, thanks, have a nice day. So it's your job to make sure that all the all the components are intact and in place, and that you know that what you're getting into is will get you there. Because the, the easy, obvious stuff that will make your vehicle fail will just shine if you're paying attention. Will shine right in your face, and you'll be like, "Hey, I don't want to be broke down." Again, we tell them every day because they break. That's and it's it just it's just the way they are. So that was my my theory on on rentals today, Jerry. You got something to add to that? Um, I I do on hooking up a trailers. Uh, since I towed my boat to one of the upper lakes uh, here a few hundred years ago, I should say. And when I get to, I noticed going down the road to the lake, it seemed like the trailer was bouncing too much. And when I got to the parking lot, uh, I had all my safety chains on, but the, when I set the trailer hit, trailer, boat trailer hitch on to hook it up to the truck, I must have got sidestepped or something or was plugging in the lights or, or 
But anyway, my boat trailer hitch had come unhooked from the back of the truck, and it was just bouncing because I had the change and stuff that wouldn't allow it to completely come off. But I drove that son of a gun from Tucson to Roosevelt with <laughs> with the trailer hitch loose. And with the trailer but hitch loose. the chains. Yeah, and I see people that put chains, you know, you, you replace the chains on trailers and stuff all the time. You know, you'll all, one of them will pop off because you didn't have it hooked up right, and it'll drag on the ground and cut half of it in two. When you see that, replace that chain. And don't go with the little skimpy teeny weeny change like you can't use a, a a dog leash chain to put it on a trailer and i've seen hey i've seen just about every combination in the world on these things since i've been in my short life span and uh story wife towing out interstate 10 she decided that she's going to go up to uh picacho and get a load of hay She's towing a 10,000-pound trailer, twin axles, you know, big tires, and this son of a gun can bring back 65 bales of hay at one shot. She's like, that's the way to do it. I'll go up, they'll load it, I'll bring it home, and then Jerry's got about three days' worth of work. And she called me and said, I've got a problem with the trailer. Evidently, the trailer, it just come off the ball. And I said, did you have it put on the ball? Because this is not her first rodeo. Yes, it was. There's something wrong with the ball. You need to come out here and get this thing and find out what's going on. Now, I don't care about the ball. I know what happened to it. She didn't hook it up proper. But that truck was running 65 miles an hour, and it was a mobile home uh, or a RV tow truck, F-450 with dual wheels in the back, 20-inch wheels, everything for at a tow vehicle needs to have. If you're going to be swinging a 10,000 uh, 10, uh, 10, GVW big trailer on the back end of it at 65 miles an hour, the, I put the chains on this trailer myself. So it wasn't a concern about the chains breaking because, I mean, you can, you can roll that thing down the side of Mount Lemon and those chains are not going to break. They're too big. And that's what happened. I'll tell you how bad that trailer was whipping behind this bobtail tow vehicle. It bent in the fenders on the back of the truck on both sides. That's how far around that trailer was coming on both sides of the truck. And uh, so when she did uh, finally get it stopped and got it off the road, of course, the chains were hanging on to everything, and I don't leave eight foot of chain back there. I put just enough for it to bend the fenders on both sides, but not enough to drop it off in neighbor's yards. And um, that was, uh, she did, I told her to put it back on. She said, the ball is back. No, put it back on. Look at the bottom of it. Make sure it seats in there. Then put the safety locks back in it. It's got a safety lock on the hitch, big bulldoze hitch, and make sure that the safety lock is on the hitch 
after it's on the ball. Don't put the safety lock on. <laughs> and, of course, that didn't make anybody happy at all. But uh, she did finish the load. She went up the road. She come back. She had about 45 bills A or something like that on it. And I looked at the truck for damages. That's when I've seen where it hit both rear fenders on this bobtail. That's how far around that trailer. So when you're towing out there, that is not a joke. You have good safety chains. You cross them under when you hook them up. And you make if they don't look big enough to make you happy, go get you a second set and put on there. There's no rule on how many safety chains you can have on the truck. You got to have at least one, one set. Put two sets if you want to. I don't care. Just keep that thing out of my lane. But if you take that trailer as long as that trailer was, I it must have scared the crap out of everybody on Speedway going to Picacho when that thing started quipping. Because that was nasty, and that thing is big enough to take up the lane she's in and the two lanes beside it, on both sides, by the way. So, you know, it people, this stuff does happen. Uh, but inspecting a trailer hitch when you put them on, now I'll tell you another one. On a horse trailer, bought a brand-new horse trailer, two-horse trailer, had it hooked up behind the truck. And I was pulling up to the corner of Speedway and Harrison. And all of a sudden, I look out the mirror, and here's a horse trailer trying to pull over to the side. It was about three foot to the left side of the back end. And it was down. And I had a horse in there. Well, it fell down on the jack, which destroyed the jack. And I hooked it up. I know it was on. So... We hooked it up again. I turned right around, went about two-tenths of a mile back to the house. I pulled it in the parking lot. I unloaded the horse out of the back of it that had his lip sucked in from the bottom of his face. He didn't like that at all. And I went and got a floor jack. I put that thing back on that ball, and I jacked it up. It come off the hitch. I jacked it up, locked it in, put the safety on it and everything, and jacked it up off the right. It was a right-sized ball. It was a 2 and 5 sixteenths, and jacked it up. So I called the manufacturer, since this is a brand-new trailer, and told them what had happened. And they said, can you get it down? I said, yeah, I can get it down there, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to kind of jerry-rig it and get everything so it'll stay on. I took it down to the shop. He did the same exact thing that I did on my truck. He looked, he, we jacked it up. He looked at the size ball that was on it. We put it back down on it. We locked it down. He got a floor jack, put it under the, what was left of the jack on the trailer. And we jacked it up and it popped right off. It was a defective hitch that was on it. And this was the, one of these bullnose hitches. Those things are pretty daggone solid, but. It wouldn't stay on that ball. So I got lucky that I was going about a mile an hour when that thing come off. But this is something that you need to check. If you buy a brand new trailer, you, you take it to your house and every, it's still on when you get to your house. Good for you. You know what I do on everything I buy now that has a trailer hitch? I hook it up to the truck, set it on the concrete, put a floor jack under it. You see if I can jack the hind end. That thing should pick up the rear of the truck. If it don't pick up the rear of the truck, 
And I, everyone I've checked so far since the incident that I had was, uh, has been working. But the bullnose jack is not a cheap jack, not a cheap hitch. It's a good hitch. But you have to make sure it's sitting down on the ball, and you have to make sure there's no additional slop in it. Once you lock it in, uh, you know, and the best way to test it is sitting in your parking lot, and you put a floor jack under it that's capable of lifting the hind end of that truck, and you jack it up. And if it, it clears the ground with the hind end of that truck off the ground, when you jack it up, then your bullnose hitch is properly hooked up, and it's not defective machined out wrong on the inside like mine was. So, yes, it does happen, and that's heads up. I don't care what trailer you buy. If it's got a hitch on it, goes on the ball, you check it. And make sure you're using the correct size ball on it. There's a 2-inch, there's a 1 and 7 eighths, there's a 2-inch, and there's a 2 and 5 sixteenths. It stands to reason. If you have a 2-inch ball on your truck and you think it's a 2 and 5 sixteenths, and you look on the bullnose hitch and it says 2 and 5 sixteenths ball, if you put it on there and you've got it locked down and you're real comfortable, yep, it's sitting on there, by golly, it's good. You put a floor jack under it, you jack it up, and it comes off. Guess what? you got a 2-inch ball on a 2 and 5 sixteenths where it should be. So this is something that you can do at home, and it won't come off in the middle of the freeway at 75 mile an hour or 65 mile an hour, and it won't beat your fenders. If that had not been, that truck, by the way, weighed 10,000 pounds across the scales. So when that empty trailer started whipping, uh, it was just like, okay, well, you still got to move 10,000 pounds, and it's a short, shorter wheelbase. And it, I mean, a long wheelbase on that thing. But anytime the trailer comes around so far that it hits the back of the fenders on that thing, that's way, way, way too much. So, you know, thank goodness it was the F-450 instead of an F-250. So, anyway, people, it can happen. Good information, Jim. Absolutely excellent. You got anything you, you want to add to that? Yeah, you make a great point about the safety chains. I, you know, when you when you talk about the safety chains, you know, um, I see them all the time. We use chains, folks. There's there's all kinds of different chains. There's grade forty chains, forty two three chains. There's grade seventy chains. There's grade one hundred chains. There's chains for that are certified for overhead lifting. There's Hundreds of different types of chains, sizes, quarter, five sixteenths, three eighths, half. Um, so knowing the chain that you need for your safeties is really important. This is Jerry made a great point about this. No, you don't get the little dog chain. That doesn't work. So uh, most most two car trailers have like a five sixteenths, and they use a grade seventy chain. And the reason why you you can get the that's the gold chain. Just so you know, you can get the gold chain. You can buy the grade 100, a little more expensive. You'd have to special order it. Um, but the 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 uh, gold chain has a higher working load limit than the silver chain. The silver chain is softer. It doesn't mean that it grinds away faster, but what it means is that if when when if your trailer comes off your truck, 
the chain, the safety chain is designed to keep the trailer from going away, coming off and, and rolling down the road away from you. So there's an immediate shock load that hits that chain. That's why you have a pair of them on there. And if, so if, if, for example, you have 10,000 pounds on your trailer, your trailer and all your cargo weighs 10,000 pounds, each one of those chains is going to accept a 5,000-pound shock load or maybe even higher, depending on how hard the pull is. So if you have real light chain, it'll just break right apart. How do I know this? Well, because I've seen it happen. I've seen the chain pulled directly apart and just ripped in two. Also, Jerry made an excellent point about chains that have drugged. I know, oh, it just drug a couple of times. Well, it don't take long for you to drag a chain on the asphalt or concrete and to have it to be compromised to zero. It takes about, it really takes about a mile, and the chain is ground in half. All the links are now a quarter of their size. They're, they're no longer have their working load capacity, and it will break. So, and even if, for like us, we use chains on a daily basis. We use straps and chains, and, and our chains wear out. That you can see links get stressed or bent or damaged, and we have to throw those away and start with new because they're just not safe. Um, so if the chain looks bad, if it looks like it's, it's compromised, if it looks like it's a drug on the ground, take it off and throw it away. That, that $10 or $20 you're going to spend on, cha- on a safety chain and two hours changing it is way cheaper than having that, trust me, Skylab crashed into this woman's house. I'm going to tell you something. It was a very expensive <laughs> ordeal. I mean, and we were just thankful that there were no cars behind us or nobody got hurt. So today it's a lot more congested out there. Um, it also gives you a chance to inspect your hooks, you know, the hooks that you hook into your, onto your truck and your truck attachment. Oh, yeah. You know, if, if, if you've, if on your, on your, you know, your, your receiver hitch, if the hooks where you're hooking the, the, your safety chain hooks on are all, all bent and ripped. Oh, well, ain't no good either. So, you know, if, it, if you've pulled on them and they're tweaked and torn, well, you can have the best chain in the world, but it's just going to rip it off your truck. So those are all really critical inspection points that, you know, you don't have to do it every day, but you need to do it before you hook up and go, hey, this is it. This is where we need to be. Uh, the, the, five, the two and five sixteenths and two-inch ball, big problem, big problem. We see it a lot where people will put a two and five sixteenths hitch on a two inch ball, and the reason why is because the hitch isn't marked anymore. It had a tag on it, but it's gone. But the nice ones have it actually, you know, cast in the hitch or it's it's engraved in the hitch in some way that you can see it. But a lot of times, it's really hard to tell what what the true size of the hitch you have is. Generally speaking, two and five sixteenths hitches go on on big trailers, two axle trailers, three axle trailers. Um, uh, two inch balls go on single axles. Inch and seven eighths go on. I don't even know what anybody uses inch and seven eighths on anymore. Uh, not even car dollies use inch and seven eighths. Um, but uh, for real, it's for real light light duty work. Um, and so, just like Jerry said, if you can. Put it, if you don't know, and you can put the hitch on, and you can jack it up, and it comes off, something's wrong. You have the wrong ball. It's not secured properly. 
there's there's something wrong with the hitch itself. That that is a problem, a disaster waiting to happen. There's no way around it. And it's and even with the with tongue weight, you think, well, I'll just stack more tongue weight on it, and it won't come off. Well, then you're gonna get you're gonna have your car's gonna go fishtailing, and you're gonna jackknife. So it's you can't just overload a, a, the tongue of the trailer, saying, "Oh, well, I know the hitch is wrong, but I'll compensate with this." It, it's it's just a really bad idea. And I know you guys aren't in for bad ideas. You you want to know what to do so you don't have these problems. Because the last thing you want to do is spend your weekend, you know, well, picking up all your stuff off the side of the road, explaining to an officer why you were, didn't hook up your truck, truck right. And we all make mistakes. You know, I, I've had them where they fall off. I've seen them fall off. You know, I'm like, wow, that looks like it was perfectly attached. I've been in Jerry's situation. You you jack up the trailer and pops right off. And you're sitting there looking at the hitch going, There's nothing, I can't see anything wrong with it. Well, something's wrong because it's not working. Something's not correctly configured. It just doesn't work. Okay, that's that's that needs to be. You have to stop right there. So that's what I got to say on that, Jerry. Uh, the the safety chains. Well, you, they need to be changed. You brought up a couple of things that brought shook my memory. Uh, one uh, on a trailer ball, whether it be a two inch or two and five sixteenths, the trailer ball itself is harder than what you're normally hooking to, okay? If you have a bullnose hitch, which is the better hitch, you still need to lube, put grease on the ball itself because with a big load, it will grind it out. The ball will actually grind out the hitch, and then you'll have a failure of your hitch. And on these uh, a lighter trailer, they're made of just a stamped metal, and if you don't have a lube on the ball itself, then it allows it to go in and just keep grinding away, grinding away, grinding away. If you're a construction outfit and you're running around and you've got you've got the trailer ball, well, it's a brand new ball. It should be good. Okay, one, does it have a one-inch shank on it or does it have an inch and, what is it, an inch and three-eighths or inch and, it's a bigger stud that actually goes through the trailer hitch. And it's or normally for the bigger Yep, that's the, one. That's the, the one. The little one the, the little ones have a three quarter that bolt in, ones have the one inch shank that go that bolts through, the ones have like an inch and a half shank that bolts through. And you're that's a really good point, Jerry. Because the the ball well, itself I've seen them shear off. Yeah, it will it will break right off. And I totally forgot about that because I always just we use the largest one we can get. But yeah, the, you're talking right. about holding a ball with a three quarter inch bolt, and it just it just breaks right off. So yeah, those are and the other that's thing, really really good. And when you're changing from a uh, two inch to the two and five sixteenths, there is a lock washer that goes on the bottom of that thing. If you don't have two pipe wrenches. Or something about two foot long, you probably are not going to get it torqued far enough on that, especially if you have an inch and a one inch or an inch and three quarter uh, bolt going through. If you look at them, they all have fine threads. That's a reason to hold them on. You can torque it down, and you can go on it. You can you can put that ball change on that thing, and then. 
uh, oh, and go and tow your trailer out, and you come back, and you know, well, I hear a clunk. And you look, and the ball, the nut has backed away from the bottom end. And you think, well, that was weird. I torqued that son of a gun for everything I had. You use a lock washer on that. And then you get your a couple of pipe wrenches, you lock it down, because where you're going to lock down against the ball is down just where, right above where it actually goes in. Now they actually come out with the ones that you can actually slip a one and a quarter inch wrench over it and lock it and then use your pipe wrench on the other end. I don't, I don't, I don't like to bust my knuckles and very seldom does a pipe wrench ever turn loose when you're tightening something. And, uh, so yeah. And hopefully when you put that thing on, I actually bought two receivers. One has a two inch on it. One has a um, two and five sixteenths, and they both have the big studs going through them. Because man, I'm telling you, you know, you don't want any of that shear off. Because if it shears off, one thing it's going to do is tear crap out of back into your truck. And a, one other little thing that is probably the most neglected of anything I've ever heard of in my life. Your trailer hitches on the vehicle itself are bolted to the frame, most of them. Some of them were welded as part of, I mean, they put a, Ford used to have them on a back bumper, and you had a steel bumper. And, but I had one come off of a truck because the bolts got a little loose, and then they sheared. They sheared off. And knock on wood, I was actually stopping when it come off. And that's a weird thing. You look back up in your mirror and your trailer's downhill and you're running flat. And you go out and look and it was held on by what's left of two bolts on the front mount. The others had shared off. You have to keep those tight. And, you you know, people use a grade three bolt. You need a minimum of a grade five. That's a hard bolt. It is not designed to, it is so hard that it doesn't like shocks, heavy, massive shocks. However, if you keep it tight, it won't get a shock. A jackhammer is not worth a crap until you can get some movement at the bottom of it, and then it starts hammering everything loose. Tighten, your, put that on your, write it down, New Year's resolutions. I've, I'm towing, I tow a lot. I tow my camp trailer. I tow my, tow, my dump trailer. I tow my boat. Uh, whatever you're towing, check the hitch on the truck itself. Go under, take a look at it, see what size bolts it has, check the uh, torque specifications on them, make sure it's got lock nuts in it, I not only do I use lock nuts, people. I use Loctite. I use the red. You got to have a, a three hundred fifty pound air hammer to get my hitches off, and that's I have I've had it happen to me, so I know it happens. I started inspecting my other vehicles over the years when I tow, and I'll just take it in. I'll just tell the guys at the shop, hey, check the rear trailer hitch and make sure that sucker is still up to where it's supposed to be. And then out of the four bolts that hold that son of a gun on through the frame, you'll have one of them that'll actually, when you hit it with the specifications torque, uh, it'll, it'll, it'll turn about a quarter of a turn and then it'll click. Okay. That means that it was not at torque specs. 
when you first put the wrench on it. So, yes, very, very critical because that one is out of sight, out of mind. And, the by the way, that was at uh, F-450 that that trailer hitch come off of from the factory. And when we put it on the second time after we put it on, uh, not only did it have bolts through it, it had skip wells around the inside of it. So it just, and the bolts were on as a backup for the skip wells. And uh, skip wells were on there for backup for just in case the bolts did decide to come out, the skip wheel should hold it. And uh, I never had another problem with it, but I took it to my garage. I put it up on my rack. I had my welders and fabricators get a hold of that thing. And I said, I, the next time this thing comes off, I want everything. I want the frame to be intact. I don't care if the engine falls out of it or whatever. I want this thing. It is not coming off. You know, you take this thing off, it's going to take you a, a torch, a grinder to get this hitch off of this thing. I don't care. I want it on permanent. And so that's that's been a way of done that. The other thing is when you're towing and you've got a bigger load than what the vehicle is actually set up to do, especially on motorhomes, uh, Class C motorhomes is where I had the problem one time. Wife took it up to a rodeo. She backed a horse trailer in, and it come back, and the horse trailer was about a foot to the left side of the vehicle. And I'm going, what in the world? They had bent the frame where it was hooked up on the back end. They're a little bit flimsier because they're extensions. And it had bent the frame under the thing. Well, took that thing to the shop, pulled it off, cut the frame out where it was at, shoved the frame back on, and fish-plated the inside of the frame. So what I had was a piece of channel is now a boxed frame. That cured that problem. And when I asked the wife, I said, did you, did you back it in sideways or something? I mean, this takes a lot to bend both sides. No, no, didn't. Oh, okay. It just bent by itself, I guess. However... So, yes, I have modified frames. I have splice frames. I fish plate frames. When I bought a brand-new motorhome to tow my horse trailer with it, I went under, and what I requested on that Class A motorhome, it had to be a full frame. I wound up with a John Deere full frame under that motorhome because I looked at a lot of motorhomes. Some of them I liked a lot better than the one I wound up with. But it didn't have the framing, and I knew what I was going to be doing with it. Another little issue that you get in by towing these big loads with the uh, motorhomes and stuff is when you put a load on the back end of that motorhome, depending on the length of the motorhome, the trailer tongue weight is real critical. And it multiplies when you hit the brake. But if it's a load on the back of it, say around 8,000 pounds, on the back of that hitch, based on how much distance between the rear wheels and the hitch, it will actually change the way the front end sets on the road. So you'll be driving it down the road. It'll be trying to uh, porpoise, as we call it, back and forth. You you constantly have to drive the front end to keep it lined up in the road. That's a, called a porpoise. And it turned out that 
the springs on the back of the motorhome would not hold the load that I was putting on the rear hitch. And so we changed the springs. If the front end is porpoising, I don't care if you're driving a Suburban and towing. I don't care what you're driving and towing. If the front end is walking back and forth in the front end, go to the rear axle and fix the springs. Pick the weight back up. Get that weight centered so that you can get the weight transferred back to the front. People that are pulling trailers, get the equalizer hitches. If you're pulling solo, just hook it up and take off. Get the equalizer hitches. That preloads the truck. And what it does when you put it on the hitch, it sends the load to the front end. So now you have four wheels are sitting on the ground, and you can control the load behind you a lot better. And that is also from experience. So I'm the only guy in the world that's had two holes cut in the bed of a truck to move the ball up on a fifth wheel so that the weight will transfer to the front. I did that on my wife's 99 brand-new F-250. She liked to have a heart attack because I cut another hole in her bed of the truck. If you want to find out if you're running too much weight on the rear axle, get you a thermometer. Get you one of those they got it. Harbor Freight's got them. Merle's has got them. And put it on the tires after you've run it about 100 miles. Measure the temperature of the tires on the rear. Measure the temperature of the tire on the front. If the rear sitting there, if the rear sitting there and it is about 25 degrees hotter than the front, 35, in my case it was 50. On the rear of the F1, uh, F250 versus the front tires. Front tires were almost, they were normal, both sides. The rear tires were like, on, they were, you couldn't put your hand on the sidewalls. That means that you're grossly overloaded with the way the weight transfer is. And so, well, by the time I got through my F250, it was rated at a ton and a quarter. That's how big of a chicken I am. What that truck had on it for suspension system, was absolutely rated at one and a quarter ton. And I had the ball moved additional three and a half inches in the bed of the truck, transferred the weight to the front on that super cab short bed, and it was perfect. And when next time I texted, uh, tested it, I was going to El Paso. I checked it down just across the border into New Mexico. And the front tires and the rear tires were within one degree. Problem solved. Stability perfect. So that is the spill on the towing. And I hope I hit a button for some of you out there that's running because towing is a booger. And if you're not prepared for it and you don't have everything together in one basket, you're going to be surprised when you hit the brakes. And then we can get into the brakes on them when we get back after these uh, first of the hour break. We are out of time, I think, about right now. It should be down about 30 seconds.